probably not that. You can do that. Josh, Josh will write you a song, and Liam will massage your butt <laughs> while Josh sings it to you. Well, he sings <laughs> to you. You can come to my house and do it. So, are we good, Liam? My name is Liam O'Donnell. I'm Josh Alvarez, and welcome to episode 34 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Today we have very special guest, Mr. Brian Cantoric. Hello. Known as BK throughout the land. Hello, BK. Hello, Liam. Hello, I told, Joshua. I, hello, my Joey friend. Angel. I'm so happy to have you on stage with us. Or Thank on, you for on, having on me. On podcast. I love no, that you just said on the thing, stage. Here's the thing. Okay, 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 okay. I know BK because BK is a bass player. Typically, sure. Like, every time I've seen you, it's been in a hardcore scenario, right? And it's been because you've been playing or we've attended something together, right? What in what in what context have you seen him play in a hardcore scenario? BK was in Go for the Throat. No, I'm asking you though. You saw him in Go for. The, I want to know where you've seen BK. Uh, other than as a fellow showgoer, uh, Ubisoft was the first time. Yeah, at CDs to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. CDs to go. Step ahead. Step ahead's first yeah. show. Yeah, that was, that was actually the last. Ubisoft show. Last Ubisoft show. Yeah. Somebody played in a gown, in a in a graduation yeah, gown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then overalls. Yeah. And you and Colin. That was the first time I ever met both of you. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was where the first time I saw Step Ahead. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was the first time. And uh, I have to apologize. Your memory, no way. Your dude. memory is so much better. <laughs> My memory is. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I remember certain things. Not everything. Though. <laughs> But yeah, no, that was the first time. And then uh, ever since then, The Curse. And uh, yeah. didn't you play with The Loved Ones for a little bit or no? No, nah, not with The Loved no, Ones. But, no. just... but I did play with The Curse. Yeah, I did play with Go for the Throat. Yeah. That was my my main gig. But um, I did The awesome. Curse for about a year. No. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, so that is that is my connection to you. That is how I met you. It was funny, too, because uh, I, I had lunch with Evo today. And uh, he was like, who you guys have on the show? And I was like, BK. And he's like, ah, the Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, he's my favorite monarch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Shout out to Evo Tomas. So. Evo. <laughs> I like saying it like it's like a curse. Evo. <laughs> it sounds so good. <laughs> All right. So uh, as per our format, the first section of the show today will be our whack versus our on track portion. I just want the audience to know, since this is a podcast, you can't see me, you don't know that I just brought up notes. I actually wrote notes. <laughs> Can you believe that? I don't think I've written notes since, like, episode eight. Yeah, dude. The last time we had notes on was when Evan did them. Oh, that's For, true. Like, Evan, when we talked about New Year's Evil, Evan had written <laughs> notes, which we were very impressed by, but then the notes were things like... Ass, yeah, and they're like dumb punk, movie punk. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I realized that they were a free form words that he <laughs> like. Game. I feel like he got to one note and he was like, "I don't even know what this means." <laughs> I don't know. I haven't gone back. Do you go back and listen to the episodes? Of course, all? I do all the time. That's weird. Let's do whack it on track. All right, whack it on track. Do you want to go first since you have notes? Or, no, or let's be, well, guest see, always goes first. But here's the thing: if you if you feel as though you want to get a hand, oh yeah, you do you need time? Last, or you can go first if you feel like you know what you want to say. I don't have too much to say. I don't know. <laughs> I need you guys to pull. I'll go. Pull I'll go. I'll thing. go first if you want me to. Okay, go ahead. Leave. All right. So <clears throat> the reason I have notes is not just because I'm trying to be a responsible adult, which. I am because you are a very responsible individual. No, I'm not saying I am. I'm saying I'm trying to be, <laughs> trying to be a responsible adult. Uh, but it was more because I feel like we haven't done 
Because the last episode was the This Is Hardcore episode. Right, and that was already two weeks ago. Yeah, and we didn't do Wacker on track then. So I felt like a lot had happened. And even after the notes, I realized I was forgetting things. So whatever, this is just the best I can do for right now. For right now. So on track. On track. I'll do some quick ones that were awesome. Search for General Sows. Yeah. Watch that on Netflix. Liked it a lot. Pretty good. Good movie. It was fun. It was a good time. It was one of the more fun documentaries I've seen in a minute. And uh, even though it was mildly depressing, come the end of the movie, it was a little, it was a little sad. But well, it, I don't know that it was like uh, for me that it was depressing, but it was interesting to realize like uh, how much we do experience something that is different than us through the lens of our own culture. So like, right. there are people who've probably spent their life eating Chinese food who've never had Chinese food because all they've ever had is this very sugary, Chinese Americanized, yeah. whatever. Uh, but I don't. I think overall, the movie is also a testament to the way that cultures kind of become apart. Yeah. yeah, and so there was positive to it too. But I, I agree with you. Parts of it were depressing. Parts yeah. of it were a little like, oh. But that's cool though, and it was surprisingly amusing. It's a movie about where did General Sos Chicken come from? To me, the dumbest topic for a movie. One I, of, like one of the dumber this, topics for a movie. I'd like to take this moment to confess that I considered getting a tattoo of the face of General So. Oh, is that right? With a banner that says, every borough, every city. <laughs> so it's half Lauren Hill, half General So. <laughs> that was my idea for the longest time. And the thing is, I was trying to convince my brother to get it with me because, you know, we grew up eating that shit. And then we just never did it. <laughs> Regardless, it was good. Right. Um, Go on. Another, some other home video things before I talk about my theater experience. Oh, okay. Uh, I saw a little movie called Amira and Sam. No idea. It's a Draft House Films release. It's a... Oh, what is his name? Draft House is our boys, right? You love those guys. I love Draft House. They're never going to listen to this, but I <laughs> I love Draft House Films. Uh, if they ever want to send us free stuff, we will talk about them. Incessantly, if need we'll, be. We'll write about it on the website. Right. We'll go out of our way for those guys. We'll spell their name in gasoline in our backyard. So it's, it's a serious... It's actually a pretty serious movie with Martin Starr. And I ah. had not seen him in something so straightforward. I mean, not that it's not funny at all, mm. but it's more of a serious movie than it is a funny movie. Uh, and Martin Starr plays a uh, military vet who is home. He's trying to adjust to life back after the war. He's having trouble finding a job. And he has friends in this country who worked as translators in Iraq. And they've come here because it's not safe for them in Iraq anymore after being translators for the U.S. Army. And he gets to know this woman, Amira, and they start to fall for each other. And so it's a... So it's like a love story. Uh, yeah. It's very... It's With a very, political backdrop, kind of. Yeah. It's very quirky. It is mildly political. And it's a little funny because he's trying to make it as a stand-up comedian. Oh. That's like what he wants to do. Okay. And there's a few scenes of him bombing Oof. terribly, That's which rough. is so hard to watch. But yeah. <clears throat> anyways, I really appreciated that. Um, and... I've been trying to watch a, a few more movies at home like I have been behind. I have a big stack of movies I haven't watched, whatever. Uh, I recently watched The Decline of Western Civilization box set. <laughs> the whole set. The whole set. Oh, so good. So, I mean, one is still amazing. Yeah. Two is still amazingly bad. Like, it's a good movie, but, but the subject is so annoying, you c- I can only appreciate it ironically. Like, I can't <laughs> just be like, oh, it's good. I don't oh, think I've ever good. seen the third one. What's the third one? Oh, man, you need to see the third one. What's the third one? The third one is in that weird 90s, late 90s, like it's like 96, 97, Mm -hmm. in that pocket where 
street punk was becoming crust punk. So they were describing them as gutter punks was the term they were using. Right. Gutter punks. Uh, so what and bands were on there? Final Conflict. Oh my god, really? Um, and a bunch of other bands that didn't go anywhere after the movie. <laughs> Final Conflict was the only band I'd heard. I mean, maybe, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Those bands might have done something. I didn't recognize any of those bands. Wow. So I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. None of them even stuck out to me in any way. These, I just knew Final Conflict going in. Uh, but unlike the other two movies, the music is not important. It's wow, more about the kids. More the kids in the scene. It shows them on the streets. It shows how unhappy they are, but it also shows them like partying all the time. Have you seen this? Because? Shows I them no. begging never... for money. It's like the most depressing of the three movies, but it actually that's why it's I think maybe the best in some ways. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. <clears throat> I need to review it. So, uh, but some of my ideas are this: the first one is so prototypical for you know what i mean like it's mm. it's it the first of its kind it's the sure. first one and it yeah. and it de- demonstrates the seeds of the thing from which i take life mm-hmm. so i love it yeah the second one is so ridiculous it's and so stupid and so excessive and just, yeah. that i i love it for that reason mm-hmm. the third one is maybe in some ways the best movie because it's the most direct it asks some of the toughest questions it shows some of the uh real lives in the whatever way but uh but it's so close to me. Mm-hmm. I remember kids like that. I obviously don't right. know these kids. They're in L.A. They're living on the streets in L.A. But those kind of punk kids were they used, s- used to be at shows all the time. They were so far from me and so different mm-hmm. that I kind of hate them. So it's like a really humanizing documentary about people I don't like. Right. And that made it almost better as much as I didn't always enjoy watching it, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Uh, so anyways, I the box set is worth it. That's mm. I. My review is going to go up on Synapse whenever I get it done, and 100% I endorse the whole box set. It's worth getting. The extras, the cut scenes are amazing. It's worth seeing, and I really, I really like the third one. Again, the first one will always be my favorite of all time because right. it's so important to me, but uh, there's something so endearing about the third one. Um, and then things I've seen in the theater that I liked, uh, the Mission Impossible movie. Oh, you saw it? Saw it. Eva's going to see it tonight. I loved it. You loved it. I loved. It. I would say Mission Impossible Five is the second best Mission Impossible movie. Really, without a doubt. Did you yeah. like the entire canon? Are you one of those uh... Mission Impossible Two? I still think is a piece of shit, and uh-huh. uh, there's been a lot of reclaiming of that movie. Right? No, I've not seen any of them. I've oh. never not seen one of them. I didn't I, you've never seen the f- five. You've never seen That's the so first many, one, right? So many. You never saw the first one. No. Oh, I would. Why highly... would I watch that piece of shit? You are insane. The yeah. first Mission Impossible is brilliant. Really? Yes. God damn it. See, now's not the time to say this. You should have said this like way earlier in our friendship so I could have watched it and then this conversation would be way different than it is. Well right no, now. well but the so. No, but here's the thing about that that I will say uh about you having not seen it. This gives us a reason to do an episode about it. About Mission well, actually, Impossible. But here's what we could do. We could do a, an episode about the Mission Impossible catalog. Uh-huh. Or we could do a Brian De Palma episode because uh, Mission Impossible is a Brian De Palma movie. No shit, the first one. That's what I'm telling wow. you. Wow, yo. yo, I didn't even know, man. And he does a lot with split screen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so man. here's the thing: number two is bad. Number three is not great, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is so endearing as the yeah. villain that it kind of makes Seymour. it worth it. Number four was like, oh, that wasn't too bad, but the ending is bad. Like the beginning is really fun, the ending, mm. but like whatever. I wasn't gonna go see the fifth one. Uh, I honestly only saw the fourth one because they shot it in IMAX, and I knew the King of Prussia IMAX is huge. So seeing it in IMAX made it worth it. Right. This one I knew I wasn't going to go to the IMAX, so I'm not going to see it. And then all the reviews were like, 
oh my god that was really good so me and Sue's, we just needed to unwind we're like let's go watch a mindless action movie right it's so fucking fun i mean partly because it's a partly a simon pegg movie it's a movie in which simon pegg is being charming yeah most of the movie so it's worth it i would i would even if you only like the first Mission Impossible and you haven't seen any of the other sequels, I recommend Mission Impossible 5. Okay. And the other thing I saw in the theaters that I enjoyed was uh, Straight Outta Compton. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Talk about that a little bit. You, you really enjoyed I it. Think it's, I think it's, in some ways, an average biopic. I mean, it's the biopic you expect when the subjects of the movie mm-hmm. uh, made the movie. Right. So, of course, it's self-congratulatory. It's a little critical. Like, they show, like, like Dre is clearly like, maybe I shouldn't have gotten involved with Suge Knight. Oh. Maybe I could have. Maybe I should have known from the beginning that he was not. And of course, the Easy E stuff. It's like clearly that guy was ripping them off. Mm. Ice Cube, you know, it's a little bit whatever. But uh, I could get critical in the movie a little bit on the not showing Dr. Dre beating up women constantly. Mm. Wow! And the fact that the actor who played jo- Dr. Dre is like super endearing and nice, mm. and I don't get the feeling that Dr. Dre is super endearing and nice. So that <laughs> felt like not real. But those things don't really matter because the story is so good. That the movie's compelling. Right. So, sure, any biopic, any historical drama, in a sense, is what this is. Mm. You're going to say, well, it's not really how it happened. Right. But it's a lot of how... I don't think it's completely inaccurate. It's not like they made shit up. Like, a lot of it is what I kind of knew from that time. And mm. I'm no expert on NWA, but I was a fan. Mm. So, I don't know. It seemed like a good representation to me. Um so yeah, it was fun. I had a good time with it. It's like two hours and twenty minutes. Wow! It drags That's a long. It drags a little bit in the middle, but there's nothing in the movie I would cut out. Mm. It's like everything they show you is important to understanding the story, mm. but it's just such a complicated story. Maybe it would be hard to make a movie that didn't have slow parts. You know what I mean? Mm. All that aside, the movie I want to most talk about on the on track is mm. a movie called The Look of Silence. That's the one with the deaf people in it. No, different movie. Oh, different That's movie. the tribe. Sorry. That'd be funny if the deaf people movie was called The Look of Silence. <laughs> it would make perfect sense. It's a, I saw that you had posted about it, and I was like, oh, that must be the movie about the deaf people, because it's no, called The Look of Silence. What a terrible. I'm just saying, man. I don't think that that's a weird thing I that, think that I that would assume. be weird. I think that would be weird. Oh, man. I think if you made a movie. Did I just out myself as like some type of weirdo ableist? Yeah, you are so <laughs> ableist. <laughs> I mean, it is weird that you're always like, fucking blind people. Oh, man, the deaf. They can't hear shit. <laughs> no, the movie you're talking about is called The Tribe, and right. I saw that at Fantastic Fest. And you endorsed that The same well. year I, I, at Fantastic Fest, I saw a movie called The Look of Silence. Now, mm. you may have heard of a movie called The Act of Killing. Yeah. What did you think of The Act of Killing? Did you see that one? No, I didn't. It's a documentary about... Um, wait, was it The Act of Killing or The Art of Killing? Act. The Act of Killing. That's the one with the, the people reenacting like the camps yeah, and all in that. in Indonesia. Cr- so in Indonesia, wow. there was this like big purge of... Um, communists. Communists by these uh, militarized, like... Uh, what do they call them? They had a name for them. Like, they were like... Anyway... It doesn't matter. Like, it, was like, it was like the army didn't kill these people. They empowered peasants. They, so they like, created like citizen these, soldiers, and then they basically slaughtered anyone they, they said was a communist. I'm doing air quotes, which you yeah. can't see in the podcast. <laughs> but like they, anyone who was accused of being a communist, which was anyone who didn't agree with the government, basically. Yeah, sure. So, but then what they did, this filmmaker told the, these people who were leaders of this movement that killed all these people, they were like, here's some money. We need you to make a movie. And they made this movie that was like weirdly exonerating of like casting themselves pretty much as heroes. Wow. And it was so like weird and just, it's like a disturbing. And only until the end, when you get to the end, the, the main guy, 
who's doing it. Like, he reenacts, like, all these scenes where he's, like, killing people, and, like, they had, like, this weird noirish, like, third world, yeah. like... Well, he's obsessed with gangster movies. Yeah, so it's him, like, in a chair with, like, a swinging light and smoke. And, he like, even talks about how some of the awful things he did to these communists was inspired by Martin Scorsese movies. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I saw him kill the... So I wanted to kill him that way. So it's, like, the weirdest documentary you'll ever see. It has singing parts in it. There's parts where ladies are singing in a they, waterfall. So, you know, I, I mean... I, I don't know if this is representative of their culture, but at a certain point, they're like, the only way to really represent how glorious this is is with a Song. musical, is yeah. a musical scene. And one of these generals, these super violent, you know, citizen generals, dresses up as a woman, and like, there's like this weird, like, uh, weird, like, like cross dressing thing going yeah. on in this song, and it's all them celebrating that they killed a million people yeah. in Indonesia. It's unbelievable. And so, the very last scene of the movie is the main general, like, realizing a little bit that he killed a lot of fucking people, right? Mm. So he's, like, gagging when he's talking about it and stuff. It's, like, so bizarre. So the way I describe it is that the movie is, like, a joke that's not funny because it's so intense the people are so ridiculously evil like there's no other way to describe them and these are not actors no no and they don't understand that the movie makes them look bad because they think well this is great and it's weird they've never understood why the nation the the country doesn't actually acknowledge that this slaughter happened Mm -hmm. they don't it's not in the official history books right but all the people who did it see themselves as heroes so they're like oh you want to do a movie about this sure we'll tell you and for joshua oppenheimer's the filmmaker he thought he would have to trick these people into talking about it he thought they would be ashamed and instead they were so excited yeah so he's like well let's reenact it and then they were like let's reenact it like hollywood like they got really into it so to me it's so over the top that it's like it's the kind of humor you have where you're so angry and so incensed that you're yelling in a way that would be humorous, but everyone knows it's not funny, so no one's laughing. Right. But you're like basically almost like telling jokes. That's how the whole movie is until you get to that scene where the one guy has remorse yeah. at the very end. Yeah. And that's the one moment where you're like, oh, maybe they are human. Because they don't seem human. The whole yeah, movie, the they whole seem movie like inhuman so monsters. Crazy. The whole movie. So, they the look s- of silence is his follow-up. This no, is what happened. Act of Killing took almost nine years to film. Right. Just him there for nine years filming people. In Indonesia. So then he leaves, makes a cut of the movie. Then for 30 days, he flew back. He knew he had this brief window from when he finished the movie and everyone knew who he was. He was well-known, Joshua. We Everyone give access to Joshua because he's making this movie. Mm. But the movie hadn't come out yet. And he knew once the movie came out, he couldn't go back to Indonesia unless he wanted to get killed or put in prison. Right. So he had 30 days before the movie came out, but everyone knew who he was. And he went back and he made another movie. And in this movie, he found a survivor, a guy whose brother was killed. And he took that guy to interview the people who killed his brother. Whoa. And where the act of killing is epic. It's like two and a half hours. Uh It's so long. It's so over the top. It's so whatever. The look of silence is so small and so quiet and so beautiful. Right. And partly that's just Joshua Oppenheimer, I think, is an amazing filmmaker. Mm. And partly that is this guy, Addy, that he takes. He's a local optometrist. He goes to like examine their eyes and talk to them while he's examining their eyes. Mm. And he's so graceful but direct. Uh Uh-huh. And he even says, at one point he's talking to his mom and he says, I wish they would express regret so that I could just forgive them and move on. Wow. But everyone responds, it's not my fault. Oh, I did. I, you know, we just had to do it. Holy it was, it was their fault because they're godless communists. You shouldn't even be asking this question. And three different people go, 
are you involved in communist activity? Is that what this is? What? Those days weren't that long ago, and don't think it couldn't happen again. Holy it's amazing. Shit. It was, whereas the act of killing, a few people were like, oh, act of killing, it was too much, it was too much. Yeah. This movie is perfect. It is, to me, the perfect representation of for someone to connect with what happened, but do it in a very human way. Yeah. And there's, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, even though it's a documentary, uh-huh. I don't want to ruin it for everyone, but there's a few moments in the movie that I can't help but weep. They're so good. Yeah. Um, and it's not all dark. Everything about, almost everything about Act of Killing is it's dark. a dark movie, yeah. Even the humor is like just only juxtaposed to like the darkness. It's not funny. Blackness. It's yeah. like, it's like, it's like, there are moments that should be funny, but they're not funny. Yeah. Uh, Look of Silence is a different kind of movie. It's softer. It's more human. And it's amazing. He made it in 30 days because he only had so much time before, before he had to get the fuck out of town. Enemy, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like now it's, and so, and he co, I think it helps. He also co-directed it with someone mm-hmm. in Indonesia and it just says anonymous. In fact, most of the cast and crew of the movie are anonymous Whoa. because they don't want to get in trouble. You know, that's so crazy. I, I don't understand how this, added. where did you see this? This was, uh... so it played at Fantastic Fest last year and now it's out in Theaters. Oh. So I got sent a uh, digital thing to review, but they uh-huh. sent it to me right before this is hardcore. So uh-huh. I only just watched it. Right. And I'm supposed to have written about it like last week and I haven't written about it yet. So right, I need right, to write right. about it for Synapse. Maybe I'll write it. Maybe I'll put the post on Cinepunks too, but uh, it's amazing. And I can't recommend it enough. And if you're listening to this and it's playing anywhere near you and you can go see it, even if you have to drive, go see this movie. Right, it's amazing. Right, right. Okay. Uh, as far as whack, the only thing I want to say is I saw Southpaw. Yeah. That was so cliche. It was whack. I really was upset by that movie. I thought I it was going like to be it. good. I was really stoked on it. That was my whack also for this week. Yeah, it's yeah, bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Southpaw. And, and then the other one I wanted to mention was uh, I mostly agree with you about Ant-Man. Oh. On the show, uh, for so those of you. Did you see Ant-Man yet? I, I haven't seen anything. I'm, I, I, I got to be honest. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> totally fine. Uh, I didn't even fine. know there was an Ant-Man movie. <laughs> Josh, Josh made the point on here that the portrayal of uh, non-white people in Ant-Man is really pejorative and really like yeah, it's a little problematic it's a little like shuck and jive like perform mm-hmm. they're the goofy guys uh the only place i'll disagree with you is i think into that you put the falcon hetman fight yeah i don't agree but that's because i think falcon is a really lame hero okay and uh what i want them to do is do what they've done in the comic books and make that character captain, captain america. america yeah because as captain america i think he makes sense but the f- falcon outfit mm. i have wings and guns pop out yeah <laughs> ant-man is a better suit like even though it's two guys in suits mm-hmm. the suit is just better and it's not like falcon to me the sign that falcon is more experienced is the fact that he holds his own right if someone who was actually not a loser uh-huh. was in the ant-man suit to me falcon would not have a chance right. that, that's my feeling on falcon as a character wow but the rest of it i completely agree with you in that the representation of his his uh, gang friends the right. way that they were portrayed dude really was problematic and it was like why do it that way why make it that way you yeah. know especially for a, a series that does not have a lot of i mean falcon is the only other character of color mm-hmm. really you know what i mean yeah. in it at this dude. point so it just kind of bummed it bummed me out a little bit and for a movie that overall was kind of fun you yeah. know it wasn't great but it was it was fun it wasn't you know? the worst movie i've ever no, seen no 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 so that so. was my wax is uh southpaw Derivative, stupid, and Jake Gyllenhaal is over the top in a in a taking you out of the movie way, and Ant Man has a color problem. Wait, Otherwise, Southpaw is a boxer movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a new Anton Fuqua movie. The same guy who directed Training Day. Okay. He directed what was the other movie after Training Day? He did um, 
Oh, and 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 I don't remember. Anyway, Southpaw comes with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in the role of the main character. He's a boxer who gets disgraced, his wife gets killed, etc., and he has to fight his way back to the top to get his daughter. Uh, it's basically every single cliche, and I don't know. Here's the thought that I had, though. Maybe I feel this way because I'm from Philadelphia, and we've all seen Rocky ten thousand million hundred billion times. Mm-hmm. So every time a boxer movie comes out, I might just be like, "What the fuck? This is so derivative. I hate this shit." Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's my judgment that's flawed or if the movie really is that bad. How about this I mean, new one, Creed? Like, ah, I, I saw a preview. Someone was in it. I was an extra. That you may, I was an, may not know. I was an extra in The Creed. singer of Revolver Theory. Revolver Method. <laughs> Revolver Method was in the Creed movie. You shouldn't mention Revolver Method on the show. <laughs> people are going to try to find it, and it'll be a no, sad thing. I think it might be unfindable. <laughs> uh, what was I your might band, Wait, my band? George is dead. George, George is dead. dead. Also unfindable. Okay. Left better okay. under under. I wanted these two bands <laughs> to go document. I know, I know. <laughs> Here's the thing I want to say about Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua. Uh, Training Day is great. Yeah. Uh, Shooter. Uh, Shooter is whack. Brooklyn's that finest. Was- Olympus has fallen. Oh, the Equalizer. Well, you know what? Melani said she liked The Equalizer. I didn't Some people did like The Equalizer. Yeah. But in other words, uh, I don't know. I went into the same thing. Oh, Anton Fuqua. I know that name. Southpaw will probably be good. Yeah. yeah, Training Day, whatever. And, and then Southpaw was bad. Gyllenhaal has been on a roll lately. That was the other thing is that here's Gyllenhaal. I, uh, at first, when the movie first started, I'm like, wow, Gyllenhaal really threw himself into this role. Yeah. But by the end of the movie, you're like, yo, dude, like, are you are you? I, I get that you think this guy is punch drunk a little bit, right. but you're playing it too hard. He's like <laughs> pushes the punch drunk thing to a level where you're like, this is distracting and it doesn't work for the character. It didn't work right, for me. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So that's my whack. On track. I have a couple. Number one, I saw Neurosis last week. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about some goddamn Neurosis. I am in love with Neurosis from every single era of their, their story arc. So I love Pain of Mind. Era fast neurosis. I sure. love Souls at Zero, like uh, Through Silver and Blood, and then I love all the new shit that they're doing. I have every storm, fucking uh, decay found in beauty or beauty found in decay. All that the new stuff that the dude given to the rising. All these records are amazing. They have stopped. Like the first time I saw them was on the Times of Grace tour, and they had the visuals, they had the lights and all that stuff. They have since stopped doing that. So the last two times I've seen them, they haven't had the light show. But, dude, they are still so crushing. They are the heaviest fucking band in the... They're so goddamn good. <laughs> they opened with Stones Fawn from the Sky. They finished... Dude, they finished with Through Silver and Blood. Not only the Through Silver and Blood song, but with the two separate floor toms, separate from the drum kit that Scott Kelly and Steve Von Till play, in addition to the drummers. So mm. it's three members of a five-man band playing the same drum beat on these floor toms. Yeah. If you can imagine what that sounds like. Sounds like a whole it's, Am I Evil dude, ensemble or something. It is like thunder. It is, they're so awesome. I will watch them every single time that they play anywhere. They are one of my favorite bands of all time. Seeing them at Union Chancer, the sound there is awesome. It is. Yeah. And for it was Brothers of the Sonic Cloth, which um, I missed. Yeah. But then Sumac played, which is the one guy from Russian Circles. Sure, and um, sure. The other, uh, the other guy from ISIS. And yeah. they were heavy, you know, heavy three-piece mission trio, if you will. Are you an Are you an ISIS fan? I am an ISIS fan, the band. But, um, you know, <laughs> uh, I definitely thought that um, Neurosis, without Neurosis, like, that heavy music, to me, like, would almost be, like, 
The uh, neurosis to me are the defining watermark of heavy music. Here's here's the thing. Go ahead. I don't like neurosis. That's okay. That's all. I mean, for you, I guess. Quite honestly, <laughs> how do you not like neurosis? Quite honestly, it's uh, it's one of those things where when they when I heard neurosis, uh-huh. it was when they were making the transition to the slower, heavier, whatever. Uh-huh. And there were a couple songs that I loved. But, you know, I was in a point where I wanted to mosh to everything. Right. You so can't mosh, mosh to neurosis. Music. I think neurosis. if I return to neurosis, especially where they're at right now, uh-huh. I think I'll like it. I think I'll think it's really good. But uh, I just haven't done it yet. Dude, they're so awesome. I know. It just, dude, the first I know song has that line them. in it that the blood that flows through me hey, 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 is not hey, my own. Hey, oh, my God, dude. Hey, it's so awesome. Hey, remember I how, shit remember, my pants every time I hear... <laughs> Steve Antel say that line. Hey, remember it's how so awesome. this is this is a, a little bit of a poor comparison, but it works for me. Remember <laughs> how you had never listened to Ringworm and then you got that Ringworm record and yeah. now you're like, oh, wait, Ringworm is really good. Yeah, 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 That's, yeah. I think that'll be me with Neurosis. Is I've never really, I had, don't get me wrong, I have a record. Right. But I haven't really listened to it since the 90s, honestly. Wow. And I just need to like jump into their catalog and give it another try. It's just when it came out, it wasn't what I was looking for in a band. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's always a big commitment to go back and revisit an, a band's entire catalog, too, if you haven't been following them all. And especially it, if they're it, so extensive, yeah. like Neurosis. But sometimes it's so worth different. it. I've definitely had the experience where it was worth it. The funny thing with Neurosis is that the last time I saw any of those guys in Philadelphia mm-hmm. was when the bass player from that band played with the band Kicker. Do you know Kicker nah. at all? Kicker are a street punk band. And I was watching with Chris X as they were opening for Hardskin at Kung Fu Necktie. I was like, how come I feel like I've seen that guy? And Steve was, or Chris was like, well, he's the bass player for Neurosis. I'm like, oh, yeah. He's playing street punk. Hmm. Pretty funny. But, um, yeah, that was awesome. Another on-track thing. I saw Limp Wrist at the church. Mm. Let me tell you something. I was so sad I missed that show. I was so sad I missed that show. That show was definitely not as packed as when Crudos played. And I was talking to a couple people about it. They're like, I'm surprised that there are this many people here. I was like, yeah, when Crudos played here, it was sold out. There was no way you could get in. Now, I mean, it wasn't sold out, but everybody that was there was, like, losing their goddamn minds. And um, I, I get it. They had, they had a bunch of people opening. They had, like, a, a DJ couple, like, these two girls that were playing DJ music. They had, like, all this other experimental music, which is fine. I am going to say I didn't watch any of the opening bands because I'm, I'm just trying to see some Limp Wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, so here's the thing. I was going to come, and I was specifically coming to also see the opening bands because uh, More Mother Goddess is a friend of mine, oh. a uh, Death Star. So I wanted to come and see her. I've seen her perform before, but I wanted to come. It's like, oh, my friend is opening for one of my favorite bands. Right, but right That right. weekend, going to Philly that whole weekend didn't happen for me. No. I didn't go see Catharsis. Mm-hmm. I didn't oh, come yeah, down for that's Limp one of my wax. I fucking missed Catharsis. I can't believe I was gonna say that is one of your favorite. How did you miss catharsis? Uh, My grandma just got sick. She's in the hospital this week, so it's been kind of a rough week for me personally, like emotionally and everything. Like I've been having to do a lot of family stuff at the hospital. Yeah, that makes sense. So I really wanted to see catharsis, but I just didn't have it in me. You know what I mean? Like I just it was too much. It was too much. Grandma wins over. Grandma's gonna trump every single hardcore band. I can guarantee you that. If Morrissey sang for the Gorilla Biscuits and my grandma needs me, guess who's missing Morrissey and the Gorilla Biscuits? (laughs) This guy right here. You know what I mean? Now, Catharsis. That's crazy. Oh, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of films and bands that yeah. I'm, with which I'm not familiar, but I, I did used to listen to Catharsis, and I actually saw them one time at a place right around like 
Seventh and Gerard. It was no. a warehouse place. They played with uh, Damnation AD. I think, oh. I think Lauren may have even set up that right. phone. Wow. She may have set up that show. Um, yeah, she... she was doing some shows at the time or knew the, knew the people who owned that space. Um, yeah, so I think it was Damnation and, and Catharsis and some, maybe one or two other bands. But uh, that was a pretty good show. Fuck, man. The only yeah. time I saw Catharsis was at the Stalag with Boys That's Fire. Okay, yeah. When the, the Day the Sun Went Out came out, when that first record came out. Uh, you know, it's cool, though. But, yeah, Limpress, though, let me tell you something. That Martin, holy shit, that guy can scream. Sure, and it's, sure. Uh, just watching uh, Andrew Martini play bass again, you know, old Philly head who now is in New York. It's good seeing him play. And um, just, dude, they're so an amazing force to watch live. Have you seen them before, right? Limpress? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. them, uh, I think I saw them the last time they played the church, actually. Yeah, I was there at that one, too. That was with... Uh, a bunch of dudes got naked. That was a wow. fruit punch played, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That there was pretty a awesome. A lot of gentlemen decided. There was naked one naked show. white guy in the in. The, no, no, he was a Spanish dude that was naked for Olympus this time. There's only one though, but uh, the, there was a bunch of. It was a weird mix of people because there's like a bunch of like hardcore dudes, and there's a bunch of like street punk guys, and just like this weird mix of like a lot of angry people. It was def- a good time, I def- though. <laughs> I, I definitely saw some posts later that were like, oh, the moshing during Limpress was inappropriate, and this kind of behavior is what keeps people out of the scene. Yeah. And then other people who I think of as just this PC, but who are more into hardcore, were like, yo, the show for Limpress tonight was sick. I moshed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, because it's also like, dude... Y- Limpressed are a better band than Los Crudos. Let me put that out there. I love Los Crudos. They're one of my favorite bands of all you, time. But you think Limpress is a better I band? I think that Limpress is a better band because I don't agree. simply Mosh. Los Crudos okay, don't no, have that's fair. That, Mosh. That's fair. That's fair. If you watch Los Crudos, but I, it's st- I still fucking, like Los Crudos more. I, okay. I like them more, but I don't think they're as good a band as Limpress. Okay. Because Limpress have more, I mean, just from a musical aspect, they have more dynamic to their music. They goes fast, slow, fast, you know what I mean? Whereas Crudus is just fast just from the start, you know what I mean? Right. Well, some so, bands are better live than on record. I, yeah. How do you feel about those bands? I, uh, bands that I think that are, are better live than on record. But between um, Los Crudos. Oh, between Los Crudos and Limpress, yeah. I would rather listen to Los Crudos records. To be sure. If I'm sitting with like headphones on, I'm listening to Los Cruz. If I'd love to see a band live, I would way love to see Limpress. You know what? You might have a point. Like That Los Cruz show was great, but the energy at a Limpress show. Is so much crazier. And this is what I was going to say about that, too. And I, I won't call out the people who were making posts. But <laughs> it was funny to me because the person making the post was very specifically like, that kind of violence at shows is what keeps uh, queer folk away from shows. Mm. But the person who was talking about moshing hard and getting punched identifies as queer so i thought that was funny that like the one (laughs) that the dude who is not queer was like that scares away queer people and then the guy i am friends with who moshes who is queer was like that was so good (laughs) the moshing was so fun so i just thought that was a and again i'm not necessarily choosing sides in the sense that like uh i have mixed feelings about moshing sometimes Mm -hmm. moshing is great and sometimes moshing is not great right and you really got to go with the situation that some shows you're like this is appropriate this is what should be happening and other shows you're like come on guys really this yeah. is really what we're doing right now. So it's just, I, I really think it's a context thing. I, I truly think that the, the real question is, when is it appropriate to cartwheel out Jeff Pelly? So who can, who can answer that question? We're not going to tell that story Oh, again. okay, good, good. I don't even know. We already did an episode. <laughs> One time I did a cartwheel and I knocked out Jeff Pelly. That's the whole story. 
I knocked out a dude with a cartwheel. It's not. It's like the. It's like the least tough assault story ever. It's the greatest assault story. ever. One time I was not paying attention while I did a gymnastics move, and Jeff Pelly paid the price. Anyway, his so, face paid the price. So yeah, so Limpress was amazing. Um, the other thing that was amazing was I saw Deathgasm in the park, the final uh, Liberty Land screening for Awesome Fest this summer. And if you're not familiar with Deathgasm, it's about a bunch of heavy metal kids that kill zombies while wearing corpse paint. I don't have to say anything other than that. I thought it and was. I was in Liberty. Land. Oh my god, it was wonderful. It was so magnificent. I was so glad that you went to that and that you liked it. There were I, a lot of people that go. disliked it that go. were just like, ah, I wasn't into it. It's you know, uh, I spoke to a couple people that said it's just basically. Evil Dead, but with metal, and I'll agree to that, but uh, my contention is Evil Dead's a pretty metal movie, and I see nothing wrong with it being like uh, heavy metal or Evil Dead. Yeah, that seems so, like a, this seems like a positive to me. Yeah, dude. It was so much fun. I mean, there are a couple scenes that are just like, I don't believe we're going here, but here we go. And then there are a couple scenes where I'm like, I am not going to be shocked at all if uh, Josh Goldblum... Gets arrested because they're boobs. I believe he was surprised he got away with showing that in a park. And he was, from talking to him, he was really excited that so many people came out and seemed yeah. to like it. You Dude, know? we were pumped. There were high fives going on. There was a lot of screaming. It was a great movie experience. Wonderful. A+. Plus. I'm really glad. And big ups to Josh Goldblum for being the man. Getting us to see some amazing movies this summer for free in a park. This is awesome. what this is my thing about the Awesome Fest, like because uh, sometimes people like his lineup, sometimes people don't like his lineup. But to me, how can you complain about free movies in a park? Yeah, how can you complain about awesome nachos and uh, movies in the park? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's so good. If I had to complain about anything, it'd be bugs, and that's not his problem. And honestly, like I'm pretty excited. The the one I got to go to on my birthday, Turbo Kid, mm-hmm. is, oh, is so much is, fun. I'm going to get to see it again, and I'm yeah. Pretty Did you that. see Turbo Kid? No. Oh my god, you have to see Turbo Kid. It's between Turbo Kid and Deathgasm, those are my two favorite movies I've seen this year. Did you have summer. Did you have another whack besides Southpaw? No, I didn't. Okay, well, I guess we can. Unless you have something else to say about Southpaw. Nope. Southpaw says everything I need it to say It was bad, about man. It. Don't go it, see it. It wasted Forrest Whitaker, dude. It's got all these, these cliche, like, dime store and cliches I And I think, I think Forrest Whitaker's performance wasn't bad. It's just the it's movie just, isn't worth uh, it. Yeah, no. It just it bummed me out. I will say that the, I thought the fight scenes were not bad. I like, I like fine, boxing. But, yeah. I like watching movie version of boxing. Yeah. Actual boxing is not fun. No. I, yeah. I don't like it. I don't like sports, but that's another story. <laughs> Go ahead, BK, BK, do you have anything you would like to lift up as whack or on whack track? Or, oh, oh, I got one more on track. I'm sorry, BK. Jesus, John. I know. I've been so busy. I uh, finished I my so solo record. Oh. <laughs> BK is so much to say. Oh, Hold you on. recorded your solo record. I recorded a solo record that I entitled Better Days. Oh, Better Days. Better Days. That's the name of the record. Better Days. I have to go back into iTunes now and There you go. That. There you go. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, if you are at all curious as to what it sounds like when I sing uh, songs that I hope to sound like Billy Bragg, you can go to uh, joeyangel.bandcamp.com. That's, That's fantastic. I recorded with Mr. Brad Wallace, who is also an amazing gentleman from that band, The Orchid, and Hells. He's a fixture in the Philly scene. If you know him, show him some love. I'm showing some love. I like the lyrics to that one, Canned Goods. Ah, yeah, there yeah, you go. It's I about know. us, BK. It's yeah. about us, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I remember ahead. those days. Those were fun days, yeah. man. Those were some good days. It was funny. I hadn't thought about taking Canned Goods to shows until you, until you <laughs> said that. And, there you go. And I was telling my wife about that. Well, what's, what's whack for me listening to you guys talk about all these awesome bands and films and even stuff that wasn't so good just the <laughs> the passion you have and the fervor um i just i feel whack because uh 
I'm just so out of touch with everything these days. I'm, oh, I'm feeling man. like, dude. I'm feeling like an old man. In the annals of history, there will never be not one sentence dedicated to the notion that you could ever even on your worst day be whack. <laughs> you are one of my favorite people in the world, and I'm so happy that you're even on here on, on the well, show. Thank with you, us. sir. So thank you. You know, dude, that's all you, right. So, you're, well, you're, you're so whack. <laughs> <laughs> so whack. Liam just wants to be contrarian. You're so what's, whack. what's whack is that I don't have enough time in the day to do all these things that I would love to do. That's right. Fair. That's fair. To, fair uh, enough. To watch these films. To yeah. To to read. I mean, I'm not I'm not a reader like my wife is, but um, but I you know I enjoy I enjoy literature. I enjoy film. I enjoy music. Yeah. But I definitely put music first. You know, right. if, a, a film is is a huge commitment for me. I, uh, my wife and I tried to watch the Baba Duke. This is how far behind we are with right, things. Right, right. I mean, we're you, you know we'll watch movies from the eighties. We just watched Mystic Pizza for like uh, <laughs> great three movie. months ago. Great I, movie. I had never seen it. You've never seen Mystic Pizza. <laughs> it was brand new to me. Well, thank God you saw it, man. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Not bad, but uh, but no, the Baba Duke. We got through twenty minutes. One of us fell asleep, and that was two months ago. We never, we never picked it up again. Did you enjoy it though? Did I did. Like it? Yeah. yeah, I actually haven't seen a horror film in in many years that I've been, you know, that I've been I've, I've found really suspenseful or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, the cinematography and everything. At least not in a long time. Maybe I just haven't been exposed to enough. But uh, the Baba Duke was doing it for me. We just never <laughs> revisited it. So hopefully, I'll get a chance to do that ten years down the line. <laughs> Fair um, enough. What else? Any new records so, that you've heard? Any new things that you've read that you've yeah, been into? Well, you know, what is on track? I think is kind of what you guys were talking about, like the energy at, at these shows, yeah, um, or some you, you, that feeling you get from from a movie that really uh, you know draws that that spirit that yeah what was the last show that um, i saw you at didn't i see you at a show recently oh man i don't know i really wanted to go to this is hardcore this year i've never been to this is hardcore really because i think when this is hardcore started i i just f- first met my wife we kind of became wrapped up in each other and then mm-hmm. um you know and then we started having kids and you know right. so i would just kind of see this is hardcore from a distance <laughs> and now with everything online this year i was like I, I got to watch some videos. Like, I yeah. know Colin was playing with H2O, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were some other, a lot of other bands. Of course, like, the Cro-Mags have played a couple times and all, but... Right. Uh, I, well, I, thanks I know to there our were friend other bands. Sonny. Do you know Sonny Sing? He does, does 856. He, yeah, I've watched quite a few of those videos now, and there in fact, go. I had never seen uh, Code, uh, Code Orange or Code right. Orange Kids, and I was really blown away by... by their energy. I mean, I don't know so much about that performance that this is hardcore. I, mm. I saw some other footage and some videos that were just so intense. Right, I right, love that right. energy, and I'm he- not huge into metalcore or whatever you might call them, but um, but yeah, I just I just love to to see people so passionate, particularly young people, so passionate about yeah. something they love. Really get behind the art form, but also the message of it all. Mm-hmm. So uh, I yeah that that Code Orange album um, that I am King I am King yeah right I really like I am King I think it's really good yeah, yeah, yeah. we like Code Orange a lot on the show because uh, Josh right he uh, Joe 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 Goldman did an episode with Liam a couple couple maybe last year Joe Goldman is he plays bass in that band oh yeah 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 I, I watched an interview with him he seemed like an interesting guy nice guy yeah nice guy. Yeah, well, he of all he's people, a good he's a good dude. He's he's got some moves. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some moves, and um, 
I, that's why I always loved about playing in bands. It's just right. like the opportunity to have that outlet, and that's something I haven't had in a, in a long time mm-hmm. uh, in in my life. And um, you know, the fact that I can at least live vicariously through others in the scene—it's uh, it's a fulfilling thing. It is. Not... It is. It's rewarding. I hear you. Yeah. All right. So so this leads us to our topic for today, which is growing old in the hardcore scene. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know anything about that. I'm young at heart. Right, young at heart, young till you die. I get it. But uh, <laughs> me and BK, we've been friends for like a long time now, right? Yeah, it's, sure. been, it's been a while. Yeah. So um, I felt that uh, it would be appropriate that we all, and me and Liam also have been friends for a long time. Yeah, I mean, but, if you said we met at uh, that show on Cotman Ave, that, yeah, was, that was like 96. Yeah, and almost. Wait, let me do my math. 96 <laughs> or 97, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah 20 yeah, yeah. years now, yeah. It's been a minute. So, um, but yeah, uh, we've we've all stayed within the context of, of some type of uh, connection to punk rock, hardcore, and what does that mean to us? And what does it mean for us? I guess as we get older, what do you guys think about that? So here's the thing. So BK, you yeah. are the father of two beautiful children. Thank you. And you're you're married. You have, have kids and a dog and all that stuff. Yes. Is it still important for you to stay connected to hardcore, punk rock, specifically hardcore punk rock? It is. I mean, at least philosophically, and there are a lot of things I subscribe to. That, and I'm I'm a person who, um, you know, has conviction when it comes to things I believe in. I really, mm-hmm. if I find something, I, I stand by it, and I'm I, I'm very committed. Um, and yeah, those things include like the whole straight edge culture, the mm-hmm. and lifestyle, the you know veganism, um, certain social political views. Um, even like religious views that, right. that I, you know, I've, I've always sort of subscribed to. And, um, I mean, of course that, that's all kind of, um, grown, you know, I've grown over the years mm-hmm. and, and you've matured in those, in those roles and I've matured. I'd like to think so, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still in many ways the same person I was 20 years ago. Right, right, right. See, it's funny at, this is hardcore. Every well, this is the second year where we've done an episode of Cinefunks where we've talked to people about a question. We brought a question up, and uh, this year's question, one of them was, "Is hardcore still relevant?" To which the better answers came from typically like a lot of the people who have who are older, who are, who are veterans and like have been around for a long time, who've seen a lot of shows and stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, like, not that I'm knocking any of the younger people that answered that question. I'm just saying uh, the stuff that I related to, or at least the stuff that the, the viewpoints that resonated most came from people like Eric Rumpshaker, who's been around forever. Yeah. You know, and uh, came from people like Joe Goff, who's also been around forever. Mm-hmm. And um, it, that's what made me start thinking about this, just because it's like, dude, like, I have a hard time listening to new bands, I'm going to say. It's, yeah. it's difficult for me to find a new band that, like, gets me hyped the way it was, like, the first time that I heard bands like Snapcase. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard, like, Strife. Or, like, the first time I heard, you know, other, like, abolition bands. You know, first time I heard Ordination of Aaron. Right. Or first time I heard um, uh, Instill. You know, those old, old bands. And, I don't know, as I get older, it's funny because, like, you know, I keep on thinking, like, there's going to come a time when this isn't going to mean anything to me. Right. And, like, I'm, I'm at 37 years old now. You know what I mean? Like, I keep thinking, like, all right, I'm going to go to a show and just not going to mosh. I'm just not going to get in there. It's not going to happen for me. <laughs> But I still mosh at shows for bands that I love. That's I awesome. still fucking like want to be there and like bang my head when you know bands that I love come through. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. it's like, um, does Giselle 
Does she involved with punk rock hardcore at no, all? No, not in the scene. She's she has always been into music. I mean, right now she's reading uh, Viv Albertine's book. Um, she Viv Albertine was in the Slits. Oh, um, right. So she's really interested in you know, in music. I think from the vantage point of the people who make the scene, mm-hmm. and um, you know, but but she yeah she's into a very different set of bands and artists and that kind of thing right 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 um are you are you like me and that a lot of your friends come from the hardcore scene like that you still maintain personal relationships with or yeah i, I mean i i know a lot of people outside outside of that world and yeah. i just just from having worked in like professional workplace right. settings and that kind of thing but um like the art scene and then there's some crossover but yeah i I still hold very dear my friendships with uh, you know people from people from the scene I've known mm-hmm. many years. I mean a lot of touch uh, a lot of people I've fallen out of touch with. Um, maybe once in a while we'll we'll hear from or or get in touch with. But do you ever feel like with the people that you know for whom this is not part of their experience that you have trouble translating it? You know what I mean? Like sometimes I don't even want to talk about it to mm-hmm. normals. Because I feel <laughs> yeah, like, and and, and uh, I just feel like they don't. It's hard to explain it in a way where I don't feel like I'm either dumbing it down or like I don't want to say it in a way where I make it sound insignificant. Mm. But I don't want to lift it up like it's the coolest thing ever because parts of it are kind of embarrassing. So yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I almost don't want. I want them just to know. Right. I just want to be able to like you know hardcore or just you know oh you know punk and just have them be like yeah. Okay, cool. Then we don't have to talk about it. I don't have to tell you about it. We don't have to get into it. We just know what we're talking about. It's weird. I I don't know if you have that reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. I like that term, normals. Um, (laughs) I like civilians. It's civilians. Muggles. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, I am that person. You know, I am the normal. I am the civilian. And I think that's... It's always sort of made me feel like an outsider, even in the the music scene. Mm. Um, You guys... Yeah, can, everyone can probably relate to that in some regard, and um, but I, as I get older, I find myself talking about it less and less. Right, right, right. Um, in my in my everyday life, it's just something that's kind of like. Was uh, it the kind of thing that you talked about a lot? Yeah, I think when I was when I was younger and I was sure. listening to more music, mm-hmm. I was uh, going to see bands and um, I- interacting with with folks who are involved with the scene more frequently I, mm-hmm. that's not the case so much now right 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 um that's why i was eager to meet with you guys today <laughs> it's it's kind of fun just to, it almost feels like a homecoming in a lot of ways right well bk you're awesome man and you know thank you sir. i'd like that you feel at home with us i do it's good i do but um back to the topic though yes so um yeah it's just funny like when you see younger generations of kids coming into shows you know what i mean and it's just like there's a lot more there's it, it there's a lot more posturing i feel that i see in, in a lot more bands these days would you agree with that liam i mean you're you're definitely a lot more in what sense um it just seems to me that there's there's a, a disconnect between the philosophical ideals that drew us into hardcore in the first place and what kids are going into it with now well, I want to avoid, I always want to avoid nostalgia, especially right. for a movement that was based entirely on burn. In fact, I would say all of the excesses of the hardcore punk scene 
we're simply justified by saying we don't want to do what was done in the past. Right. So then our own masturbatory reflection on our past is a little weird. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little like doesn't make it's sort of like in in this is like such a worn out topic for me, but it's one of the reasons I compare uh punk and hardcore to other things I'm involved in, such as religion. Mm-hmm. So Christianity, the religion of peace, which has caused how many wars? <laughs> in the same sense, hardcore, the whole reason people got into hardcore punk was a saying like, we hate the past. Like, we hate right. yeah. what was done before. So the fact that so many of us are like, oh, weren't things so much better in the past? Yeah. Sort of seems counterintuitive. On the other hand, I think what we've sort of learned a little bit is that, uh, as much as there's this rejection of the way things were in the past, there's a bit of a feeling that you should have some respect for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, as much as I find nostalgia to be a problem in any situation, I think it's it can be poisonous everywhere. Uh, I also get a little offended when young people feel like they don't have to give a shit about it. Like, it's mm-hmm. one thing to say, like, you know, hey, I, I prefer to see a new band than to go to Reunion. Mm. That's cool. Fair enough. It's yeah. another thing to say, oh, this band that basically invented this sound that I actually appreciate in other bands, fuck that band. <laughs> so there's some part of me that's like, no, man, fuck you. Like, I get really, like, upset. But on the other hand, like, I don't know why I get so upset. Why am I so, you know, invested in defending the past in a in a thing in which, I mean, honestly, think about the way even, like, bands work. Only a few bands last in this genre, and most of the bands who last become a caricature of who they were. Right. The bands that people are obsessed with are the bands that put out a record, an EP, and then oh, said, yeah. fuck it. And and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and 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 a lot of our nostalgia for those bands is sometimes based on something that's not real, like bands that were so straight edge, and then in reality they weren't really yeah, that straight edge. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Things like that. So I, I, I want to avoid I want to avoid that. Well, but uh, that, my question is why do you still care? Uh, I mean, for me, uh, I don't really have a reason, this is going to sound weird, but I don't really have a reason not to care. Like, why shouldn't I? So nothing else has come along that's (laughs) taking your attention away? Yeah, why, why, I mean, it, it is, there's a limit to how much I can participate in it. Right. But as long as that doesn't keep me from participating in it, why should I stop? Uh, I, I, I feel like... The one of the things I also want to be questioning is the assumption that this is only about youth. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Hard, hardcore matters for the young and for the old, like it doesn't. And I just don't know what why that is true. I don't that know may have why been that matters. True when hardcore was first sure. sort of conceived. I don't mm. you know when they grew I mean, out of the punk scene. I feel like when we, st- I feel like I mean we're all of a little bit different ages, but when right. we started going to shows, generally the people who were going to shows before us were leaving. So okay. I think we yeah. kind of thought we had to leave. Only people our age and younger who should be at this point aging out are like, no, I don't, I don't want to leave. Why should I leave? I'm still having fun. Yeah. I yeah. still like bands. I can't mosh as hard maybe if I'm like old, but I still enjoy going to the show. Uh-huh. Why the hell should you stop? Go- Why shouldn't you be a part of it? The, I, I think what the reality is that, and this is both a positive and negative. The positive is you can integrate more into normal society and be involved in punk and hardcore. It's right. not as out uh, there out as there it once was, field which is a little bit like a negative because you can say, well, something's, you know, we can get into that nostalgic mode. And I don't want to say that that's, necessarily wrong because uh i do want to say that 
the desire to push things mm-hmm. has left a little bit. Right. Yeah. As that's, far as musical boundaries, that's to though, where, or as far as participation? Oh, well, obviously musical boundaries, because there is no such thing as new and hardcore anymore. Right. Yeah. Every band is copying somebody else. They're just copying in a different way. Yeah. You, you know, but... Uh, it's nice when you see a composite of different influences and the chemistry is just perfect. Uh-huh. For me, I would, though, be less interested... I don't need a band to reinvent music. I mean, in a sense, all punk and hardcore are doing is reinventing rock and roll a little bit. Right. But, you know, it's not really that revolutionary in and of itself musically. Mm-hmm. What I would like is a band that cares about something. That's the one place where I let nostalgia make me a teeny bit bitter, is that <laughs> there are less bands now, at least less bands that do well enough financially that I would hear about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are about something. There are more and more bands that get really popular that aren't really about anything. And again, I, I, I'm very wary of the tendency of people in our age group to shit on millennials. Uh-huh. It's too easy. Yeah. It's so easy to do that I don't trust it. I'm like, right. clearly we must be wrong because <laughs> it's so easy for us to just say, all 20-somethings are just taking selfies and being nihilists and they all suck. And I'm, part of me is like, that can't be true. There's probably something we're missing. Yeah. On the other hand, there is an aspect I don't like, which is that uh, for a generation that's so easily offended and mm-hmm. so easily upset... Why is it that their art is so rarely about anything? I mean, mm. people get so stoked when when a hip-hop artist has one song where they go, maybe cops aren't good. And everyone's like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so... It's so and I'm like, yo, like, there are, there are artists who put their entire career on the line to have a statement, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of these bands, like bands now, really think they should... This should be their life. They should be a professional hardcore band. And none of the bands you wear the t-shirts for were like, we're going to do this for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I never really thought about that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, we feel like, for me, I mean, I, even in the early 90s, I was like, I'm so far removed from the, you know, sure. the, the bad brains and the Cro-Mags of the early 80s or, yeah. you know, what was happening at CBGBs and even the late 70s with, the, you know, the Ramones, mm. the New York Dolls. Sure, sure. And everything. I mean, that... That just seems so distant, but in the grand scheme of things, we're just a you know these last few decades are, are a blip on the on the radar, and um, yeah, so it's all kind of relative. And I, I I do sort of resent the fact that yeah, some people will put down the new generation like oh they just don't get it, they don't understand what it means to be hardcore or mm-hmm. whatever that means. And uh, or they don't understand what it means to be punk or hip hop or you know to to be to be from the streets or whatever. I mean, everyone has a reality. Everyone brings something different to the table, and that's what I like about the the hardcore punk scene is that yeah, it is a composite of all these different influences, yeah. not just band the influence of bands, but um, but influence of lifestyles, uh, socioeconomic class. Uh, Ideally, like ra- yeah, racial, ethnic groups, and it's um, it's more interesting that way. But yeah, as time moves on, um, th- th- these millennials are sort of reinventing the scene. I mean, in a sense, they invented this technology that is enabling us to have this conversation right now, which is enabling us to contribute to the scene, <laughs> um, even if it's not in the mosh pit or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my goals for Cinepunks is that it is less about telling people 
how often they're wrong, though I enjoy that. And we've done that on this show <laughs> a lot. many times. I mean, so I will straight up say to you, <laughs> as much as I love you millennials, Twitching Tongues is a shitty band, and you are wrong for liking them. But that being said, that's not the point of the show. The point of the show is to be an opportunity to celebrate things and to share them. It's the difference between, you know, when you are new to the scene, right? Mm. And let's apply the scene to all art, but we'll we'll use the hardcore scene. When you're new to the scene, there are people who've been there a long time who can look at you and be like, look at that t-shirt, look at the bands he likes, whatever. And that's like a judgment stance. Right. And I'm not saying that's not unearned. For some of us, worked really hard for this scene. We really put some fucking shit into it. And I understand that we have a sense of ownership. But wouldn't you rather be the fucker who makes a mix CD? Yeah. And I would say that about film. When someone's new to film and they're like, I really like Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. Like, okay, great. That's that's they're, cool. Yeah, Here's some like other them. stuff that you could like, too. Like, I'd rather be the one giving you a mixtape. You right. know, I'd rather be the one being like, yo, check this out. This is also good. And I want there to be, in other words, there has to be a way to honor the brilliance of what came before mm-hmm. that doesn't disavow new shit. I this is this is the same conversation I have in film, real quick. When people are just like, "All only old horror movies are bad. All new horror yeah. is," and I'm like, "Well, okay, all popular new horror is bad, but every year there are small indie horror films that, that are, are great. Yeah, that are and good. you don't go see them because you're just still jerking off to Friday the Thirteenth or whatever it is. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> see, it's funny because I feel as though the conversation surrounding film is way different in film as a culture versus music as a culture because okay. growing old in film." just means that you have more to share. And it comes from more of a place of not exclusivity but more of a place of... Like, the biggest thing that people can do as a film appreciator next to making movies is writing about movies. So basically... I think that's fair, but I, I, I see some of the same judgment. It's just... It's different because being into movies isn't a culture the way that being into punk and hardcore is. It doesn't set uh-huh. you apart. But the same kind of elitism can still creep in. And there has to be a way to... Well, yeah, no, that's true. That's why there has to be a way to communicate. Yeah, I think when you say, for example, when someone says, literally, I've seen people say this who are of a certain age, the greatest, you know, exploitation director of all time is Quentin Tarantino, and you're like, don't get me wrong, I love Quentin Tarantino, I love his movies, but the dude is just ripping everybody off, and it's great. I love his his ripoffs, but let's not, you know, but there has to be a way to communicate that that isn't about. You're ruining everything. Right. You, as a young person who that does it, not know an the indictment past. of any way. Yeah, I, I, the only time I ever, 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 ever want to call someone to task for not knowing what they're talking about is when they present themselves as an expert. Which is why I try to. I mean, <laughs> we come across sometimes like we are the most elitist assholes. I've heard the word "smug" used in reference to us before. Is that right? Yes, I have. Who said we were smug? I'm not saying who. I'm just saying someone said. Someone said. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, no, but the, the, what I want to set is. I believe, to me, it's not worth having an opinion I think is wrong. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I want to come across like I believe in my opinions. But I don't think I'm an expert. Like, yeah. if you're like, if you want to disagree with me, I want you to want to argue with me yeah, about or it. At least but I don't want you to think I'm thinking, like, you're an asshole. <laughs> you know, like, that's not what that's about. In, right, right, in right. other words, there has to be a way to say, I think I'm right. I think there's a history here you can learn about that's important. Mm. But I don't think you don't matter because we don't see eye to eye or i don't think you can't learn and i don't think i can't learn from you Mm -hmm. there are young film appreciators there are young punk and hardcore kids who know about bands and i don't know about those bands or they know about movies i don't know about those movies and i want i want that conversation to go back and i want and i want to feel the feelings that i had first going to shows i want to see a band that fucking twists my head off and all that stuff 
But um, the fact of the matter is, again... They said we were smug? Yeah, straight up. S-M-U-G. Fuck you, dude. But I, dude, it's all good. But anyway, not important. Not important. Point well taken, though. But um, I definitely... like. It's funny because I struggle with it in the sense that I still consider myself to be a creative musician at this point. You know? Yeah. I still like playing shows. Yeah. I miss playing bands, but I'll play shows regardless of what I'm playing with. You know what I mean? Like... Even if it's playing on my own, even if it's playing with like this kind of band or that kind of band, I still hold on to it. Yeah. And there is there are moments when you're looking out into an empty room and you're standing there and no one's there. You know what I mean? Because right. no one gives a shit anymore sometimes, right. it feels like. But why do I still come back to it? Why do I still say to myself, like, well, I'm going to book this show. Maybe someone will come out. Maybe they won't. I'm going to put all this money into this stuff, buy all this expensive shit, yeah. and what's going to happen? And um, that was part of the part of my thought for why I even wanted to talk about this today, just because it's like, I think you understand the same wavelength that I understand. Like, why do we still want to do this? Yeah. Why do we still, why is it still relevant? Well, you know yeah, I mean? that's the thing. At the core of it all, you have to want to do it for yourself, first yeah. and foremost. You have to, there, there's, there's a calling that you can't not do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't not think about these, the the sound or the the visual or the the uh, meaning of it all right and um and then from there it sort of becomes about performance so i mean you were taking it to a whole other level with your uh your band george is dead yeah uh, broken <laughs> bottles and that whole gg allen lots thing. of drugs yeah um, it was not me but, but them you know right right <laughs> you're such a druggy. <laughs> Which I have to say, I I haven't seen nearly as many films as you guys have, but I do like documentary, and um, I saw that G.G. Allen documentary years ago. Oh, yeah, how was that? Insane. It's intense, right? Wait, wait, which one is it? I've never seen it. Hated. Hated. I think that's what it's called, yeah. That's the one where he, with the burial at the end and all that? There's footage, uh, yeah, on the streets of the Lower East Side, and and somebody was following him through the streets with a camera. It's a rough one, man. (laughs) You've never seen that, Liam? Never. There's poo oh, eating in it. Oh, there's man. heroin injecting. It's it's awful. Yeah. Put that it's, on your list. <laughs> it's a rough one for sure. It's one. Of, it's it's kind of like you were saying about what was it? The act of violence. Act of uh, killing. Or act of killing. Yeah. Yeah. That um, you're watching it. You're just like this is. This so, can't be real. Yeah. Just so insane. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's still a message to it all. Right. 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 Anyhow. Um, well, yeah, I, but but no, no, no. There is the, yeah, and then there is something to be said for the performance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. They call it a show for a reason. I remember Dave Hawes once said that, and yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Like you, you want to kind of give people what they came for, so to speak, and right. yeah, totally. But it's also an outlet for yourself. So there's mm-hmm. this um, kind of symbiotic um, or you know reciprocal relationship you have with the music or right, with right, the, right. the medium, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, getting older, some of some of the performance aspect changes. You may not do what you did when you were uh, sixteen or twenty. Um, you may not physically be capable of doing <laughs> what you used to do. I mean, I, I feel like if I were to, if you were to hand me a bass right now, or to get up on stage and, mm. and play with your band or or some other band, and uh, just start thrashing the way I see some of these bands do. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd seriously be crippled. I, Dude, I used to love watching you play bass. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee that if I were to see you play bass again, I'd love it as well. I'd, I'd, need, to to go work up, I'd need to work up the stamina again. <laughs> that yeah, was my favorite shit, man. Just the stomps and the, the jumps. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun, man. It's pretty fun. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I see... 
Josh has these Hulk hands up on his up on his bookshelf here. I'd love to just like grab those Hulk hands and start like floor punching, but um, yeah. but no. I mean, I I. I I am incapable of doing it as much as I used to, but I still enjoy moshing. Like, yeah, it's, man. I, I, I think for me, I still see a lot of people like hand wringing and really worrying about the place of older folks in mm-hmm. punk and hardcore, and if we should be growing out of this thing or whatever. I actually think though those people in their minds are deconstructing it. Mm-hmm. I think they actually are putting it on a pedestal. Ah. Because they're actually saying that there is this essential thing to it. Mm-hmm. And how could you, as an older person, really participate in the essence of that thing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, you just look. You like a kind of music, mm-hmm. but with that kind of music came a way of being in the world. Right. And you can take that way of being in the world and you can make something of it. And we all know people who became activists or they yeah, or did they, they out found... their art or they stayed in the scene and still are in a band and or they still promote shows. Or they, they took it and they did something with it. And there are some people who it's just a thing they like. Yeah. And maybe it will always affect them and it'll always make them a little different than other people. But you decide what it effect it has on your life. If you really want to be a fucking CPA, you could be a CPA who listens to hardcore when you get home. Right. It's not that I think people actually sell out not because they are in some sense like uh better than it but because mm-hmm. they assume they're not good enough and it's like ah. of course you are you can still like it or and then here's the other thing or you cannot like when yeah. someone's like says like oh, I, I love the justifications like i stopped going to hardcore shows for this highfalutin ethical reason right. i'm like or you just stop going like who can like yeah. like it's not that well, important see, and you know what's funny the other thing is actually equally disturbing to me when you're in a band sure that the people that still relate to you are the 16, 17 year old kids that come to shows and you're now 40, you're now 50. Sure, sure. That's also weird to me because it's like, I remember when Halo was dying down, um, I was talking to a couple people out and they're like, you know, the fact of the matter is if you are going crazy, you're singing about something and a 15, 16 year old kid sees it and then relates to it and is going crazy, then there is an an implicit connection between the way you feel and how a person that is significantly younger than you relates to what you're saying. Sure. And, and that could be a negative or a positive. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like for me, that that honestly disturbed me a little bit. I was like, oh man, I mean, what am I going to sing about? My mortgage? Like, I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like as a singer sometimes in this kind of, in this genre specifically, you're like, well, you know, is it good that people, that I can make art that's relatable to teenagers? Yeah, so at that point, are you no longer a peer? Are you then considered sort of like a mentor in the scene? Yeah, or? which is... And that's, I a, mean, that's a huge responsibility. It's <laughs> so. a lot more responsibility to me, than anyone to me, wants. I'll, I'll be honest, that doesn't... That concern feels a slightly dishonest to me in the following way. Uh-huh. There is no producer of anything in neoliberal capitalism that is not trying to seduce 16-year-olds. Wow. Unless you make adult diapers, you are trying to seduce 16-year-olds. Like, every market. Like, yes, in a sense, we want punk and hardcore to be above capitalism. But it's not. It's like the people who... uh, And, you know, I haven't said much about it, but I will say this on here. I, at one level, am understanding of people who would like more women to be in bands that this is hardcore. That was a big thing people came at us about. But it's unrealistic to me because this is hardcore is a giant festival that has to pay the bills. Right. And no one had an example of a band we weren't paying attention to that draws those kind of crowds. 
Mm-hmm. And I think people were like, well, you should just make an ethical decision and book a band because they just deserve. Them. And don't get me wrong, like, I don't know that that would never happen. We might say like, well, yeah, we know this band and they need a hookup, so they'll open. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about a band to like headline or something like that. Like the Exploited. Or, yeah, it's never yeah. going to fucking happen because headliners are always going to be the bands that kids are willing, or kids or adults are willing to pay to see. And we like to pretend that that economic concern is not a part of art and especially not a part of punk and hardcore art mm. but it's is until we live in some other world and if you want to build that world sure i'll join your mailing list uh-huh. but the reality is like that's not what the what we live in so right. like when someone's like well i'm just bummed out like 20 year olds like my music i'm like yeah, cool. You're doing what every brand in the fucking world wants to do, which is seduce 20-year-olds. Like that's right, what they right, want. Right. Yeah. The the wow. magic age 14 to 26. If people who are 14 to 26 like what you're doing, then you might be able to live. And wow. sure sure at a certain Dude. at a certain level that gets scary, but like when we're at this level where you're you're a lot of bands are just trying to make money to pay back someone for something. Right. They're just trying to make money to get across the country and not go into debt. At that point, I don't. I hear this all the time. Like, well, that band, they're just trying to sell T-shirts. Like, unless you can prove to me that they have, like, three houses and a boat, <laughs> let that band sell some fucking... You know how hard yeah. it is? You know how much no, gas I costs? Know how you know how... Yeah. yeah, let them sell their fucking t-shirts, man. I'll buy... If it's a cool t-shirt, I'll buy a t-shirt. Because I'm not going to judge people for trying to survive. And, like, to me, that kind of fundamentalism is not that different than any other fundamentalism. Uh-huh. Punk and hardcore is so important that you can't make a living. I don't think you should manipulate shit to make a living. I don't think you should do fake ass shit to make a living uh-huh. but if you can be you and do your art and get paid motherfucker get paid like <laughs> for real that's you know to me the Straight only the, the only bands the only bands i will look at funny is bands that change uh-huh. for the money for the money and yeah. half the time in the hardcore scene when you change for the money you don't make it anyway yeah think of true. all the bands that tried to be like we're gonna get more rock those bands well, always break up come on that's the thing with age comes a certain authenticity and right. you know you can you can sniff out the bands the artists that's true that mm-hmm. are authentic and even if they do even if their sound or style evolves they're still being true to who they are like you're talking about neurosis i'm not as familiar with them but mm-hmm. you know maybe they were just exploring different styles at different points in their lives when they were influenced by different bands or going to shows or yeah. books they read or films they saw and if Neurosis got big and someone oh, I like Neurosis better when they weren't making all this money, I'd be like, it's because you're a child, or that's because you're a hater. Like, let Neurosis make, unless Neurosis puts out a pop record with Iggy Azalea. I guarantee you if they did it, it'd still be good. Yeah. And and honestly, if they put out a pop record with Beyonce, I, I'd be like, Beyonce good work. For Neurosis, I'd good be work. all about it. They would be that's the ultimate Beyonce's band ever. good. <laughs> And the whole world will die. She is always reinventing herself, so that may be I the lo- next I step. love her. I love her. <laughs> I do think, though, the, 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 the thing I will say, though, is, like, uh, as older folks, do you feel... I asked this question, actually, from our Twitter account. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there was a younger guy named Aaron who we interviewed. Well, actually, Justin Lore interviewed him for the This Is Hardcore episode mm-hmm. of Cinepunks. A guy named Aaron Hurd sings for that band Jesus Peace. Okay. And he admitted on Twitter he doesn't like Warzone. And then like he doesn't. He hears Warzone and is like, "Ew, what ew!" Is this? Like literally listening to Warzone, I don't like it. Then to continue this conversation, admits he doesn't really like Madball, which people flip their shit because this is a dude who's in a heavy band, 
Uh-huh. He likes to mosh hard. Right. And the gen- you know what I literally said to him from my account, not from the Cinepunks account, because right. I'm trying to be a jerk, <laughs> was uh, if you're like Barry Buttflap Crust Punk and you don't like Madball, yeah, that makes sense. But if you're a hardcore kid who moshes hard and you're like, I'm not really into Madball, I'm like, what is wrong? That's, <laughs> that's you know what I mean? Like that fits so well. I'm just surprised. I'll, yeah, I'll put yeah, it yeah. in the nice way. So, but then I sort of then went to the Cinepunks account and sort of said like, do younger people feel an oppressive demand from our generation to like what we like. Wow. And and I have, like I was trying to get at before in too long-winded a way, I have mixed feelings about that. On one hand, I don't want to crush someone else with my nostalgia and right. say the fact that you don't like these bands makes you a poser. <laughs> On the other hand, so much of those opinions do come from a kind of ignorance where someone eventually admits, well, I've never really even listened to it. And then I'm kind of like, well, then you're not a very curious person. And that makes me wonder about your place in the scene. Right, you know, right, so right. it's sort of that balance between, uh, it's weird to me that something was so foundational that to me it is what hardcore is and yeah. you hate it or you just don't care about it. But on the other hand, I don't want to be that old guy that's like, anyone who doesn't like what I like is a poser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's just kind of small-minded, you know, in and of itself. But no, going back to what you were saying about, like, being a 40 or 50 year old playing for some, you know, someone who's in their late teens or twenties. I mean, I actually feel like I'd be a great candidate for uh, playing in a hardcore punk band right now. Oh yeah. Because in a sense, I've kind of been like, like cry, cry, cryogenically frozen, frozen in time. <laughs> like you were Michael Jackson's for, head. <laughs> yes. When Go for the Throw broke up, I, that was it. Like I, I was pretty much done. I had this uh, equipment that that's now in your possession, yeah. Josh, and uh, you're doing so much more with it than I ever did. And uh, you know, it just sat in my living room for years and years and years. I was going to turn this um, this ca- base yeah, cab no, into a, into a uh, coffee table. But uh, <laughs> into a coffee table. I did use the uh, the road case. The, yeah, uh, I used that as an end table for a long time. Wow. Yeah, I had Amazing. coasters on it. No um, shit. But and that's actually when I watched the most movies when after the band broke up. Right. But yeah, I never you know I never started a new band. So in my in my mind, I'm still you know in my early twenties. Yeah. In in scene speak. Right. Because uh, you know. Still, like thinking about the music I was listening to at that time, and um, the, the, the energy I was feeling, the passion, and um, I just kind of want to pick up where I left off. And right. I, I don't care who the audience is at this point. I just just want to do it for you. Just go it. off, man. Yeah, I dig it. Man. But but finding the time. That's, yeah, that's, that's the hardest thing, thing as you get older too. I find like you know having band practices weekly and all that stuff is is. It's a drag, man. It's hard. It's hard finding. Yo, we can't make a schedule for this podcast. Yeah, dude. You know what it's like trying to wrangle four other people oh, so that hard. have the same problems with time as yeah. we do to be like, all right, for two hours, we're going to sit in Colin's house and do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really well, weird. Well, and especially like because it requires you to be, it's not just we're going to get together. We're going to get together in a way where we're going to be creative and yeah. it's going to be productive. Right. And that's, hard. that's a, a hard thing there, to do. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 a lot of pressure, but then again, I also can't imagine a life without it. So regardless of what, what I've said, you know, pejorative or not, about hardcore and all this stuff, I can never see a life for myself wherein I don't spend time writing, I don't spend time making music either with myself or with other people, and I don't spend time thinking, like, this is the greatest music in the world. 
and then I'm always going to love it. You know what I mean? I mean, and for, I get further away from it to be sure. Sure, sure. you guys I mean, are an inspiration. Oh, oh okay, you're an inspiration, man. Come on. I know. Now I'm like, man. Do I need to make BK a mix CD? <laughs> Is that Maybe. what I'll do? I'll be like BK. I'll, I will listen to it. Too. I'll be like, these are all the bands I want to play. This is hardcore, and Joe says no to me every year. <laughs> yeah, drive like Jay, who's on there. <laughs> oh, I you know I only asked about that because they asked. They're so good. They're one of They didn't directly ask. The guy who directed the movie about them asked me if they could play This Is Hardcore. And everyone made me feel so stupid about it. But in retrospect, they wouldn't be a good fit. But I just... But still. I wasn't saying it was my idea. I said, they, you know, I was asked. <laughs> what do you guys think? And they were like, oh, that's cool. Why don't we just change the name of the fest to This Is Music? Yeah. It'll be like when cool. Planet Thanks. used to do reviews of nothing but indie rock CDs. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, totally. It's like, ah, Punk Planet. No, but I mean, yeah, like I... Uh, I think, you know, thinking about what you're saying, I mean, there there is a danger, and I want, I, I kind of want to tell kids about this. There's a danger where you could be so about it that you cut yourself off from life. Right. I think there are people for whom punk and hardcore became, I don't want to say an addiction, but a thing that they put so much into that they yeah. cut off other possibilities. Yeah. They yeah. could have done other things. And like... Of course, the future is not written off. We ha- we all have friends who went to school late and started a career, yeah. and they didn't have to get their fucking tattoos covered up, uh-huh. and they started their life maybe later than other people, but they're happy. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But when you cut off all possibility of a life because it's not as cool as going to shows, mm-hmm. that's kind of weird. That's yeah. a thing. Like you, to me, the best way to be is not to say, in order for me to live, I have to give this thing up, or to mm-hmm. say, I'm so committed to this thing, I can't live. But to try to figure out how do you navigate what is a fucked up and corrupted world while still being true to what you care about. And yeah. you know what? Punk and hardcore kids aren't the only people who have to figure that shit out. Every, you know, <laughs> anyone who cares, the, like, this is the thing. When I say normals, I don't even mean, because I'm in so many different things, I don't even mean people who are just not into punk and hardcore. I mean normals, like people for whom they are not passionate about. Any, the yeah. only way to be normal in this country is to not be passionate really about anything. And anything. there are people like that. There yeah. are surprising a number of people about that. But there are also, I think, people who may not be into punk and hardcore, but they'll understand you. Because of what because into. they are into something oh, obsessively, yeah. Yeah. and and to me, this show is about all those weird nether regions where mm-hmm. all of our fucked up obsessions combine. Right. Where yeah. on this show we've talked about in the past neurosis and comic books and and everything from black exploitation to obscure Czech animation yeah. and whatever. Like we've talked about all these different things because for us they're all sort of smushed together and they're all relevant. They all stay nascent in our totally. lives. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, man, I don't know. I guess ultimately, <laughs> to, to bring it down. I just burped into the nice microphone. Which is how we do. It's yeah. not really real until you burp into it. Well, I've got this spit guard, so. <laughs> Are but, we uh, almost done, or is there, can I stay? No, go ahead. I, keep going, man. Oh, no, no. I was just. Uh, the, the, we're, we're approaching the end, but we have plenty of time for you to reach a wrap-up oh, no. point. Now I'm just getting started. Yeah, we'll get into it. Make <laughs> a point. It. No, I want you to go on a ten-minute rant starting now. I was just, when you were talking about kind of uh, normalizing yourself in in some way, in terms of like finding a way to um, adopt other other lifestyles outside of living in the insular world of of hardcore or punk mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, I I always kind of prided myself on being the non nonconformist within the scene. Right, like I never got a tattoo. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I always wore my glasses to shows, and you know, I had my croquis on, yeah. and people, you know, I I, I was kind of like the geek in the scene, and um, you know, to be I, to I be had, clear, some, you were never the geek in the scene to me, if you know, I can say that. Like I, you know, people I would see me wearing cool. flannels, not because I was trying to be grunge or whatever, but because I was like I was I was cold, you know, like, and I wasn't afraid to say it, and um, but I, at the same time, I always kind of and I, like I mentioned before, I always sort of felt like an outsider or even in my even in my hometown and mm-hmm. um, you know in my home scene and all um, so but but it made it easier for me to kind of normalize as I got older um, to hold on to those things that were so meaningful to me about about the music and the scene and uh, the, the messages behind it all but also make my way into a professional workplace or mm-hmm. um, spend time with my family and right. do all these things where I didn't necessarily have to um, feel conflicted in some ways that I imagine other people might but at the same time I, I still feel uncomfortable in my own skin no matter where I go and that's just a, that's just my psychosis but, <laughs> I was going to say that's that's for our uh, therapy podcast, which is the next Let's one. Do that next. Yeah. I'll be Chatting with Josh and Liam. <laughs> Let's chat about your inner self. Yeah. yeah, that would be weird because then I just want to talk about my inner self. You'd yeah, be like no. sharing, and I'd be like, you know, BK, that reminds me about my childhood, <laughs> and we'd all be quiet while Liam just goes on. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Do we uh, do we want to? It's we're at about an hour and a half. Do okay. you want to? Well, almost. Do you want to wrap up or do you want to? Sure. Let's wrap it up. You sure? Is there any, any other points? Any you final make? points okay. about us? We're all aging to various extents. Yeah. Right. Any final pearls of wisdom from the aging punks? <laughs> pearls of wisdom, really? Whatever. <laughs> do you have any? Well, yeah. I mean, I will. I will go ahead and say, like you know, being an adult in the scene is definitely a possibility. Right. I don't. I you know I still encounter people with anxiety about it, and in the same way, like coming back to shows is not that hard, and mm-hmm. checking out new bands is not a waste of time, and uh, you know we do have some younger folks who listen to us, like you know uh, I don't think young people owe old people anything. You know, yeah. there's a little feeling of like I went to shows back in the day, so you have to show me respect. I don't think that's real. You know, no. but I do think you can learn something from people. You can learn a little bit of the history if you want to hear them out and hear about mm-hmm. their experiences and what it was like for them. And that can help you maybe think of a new. To me, the best part about the past is not repeating it, but realizing stuff happened in the past that we've forgotten about. Right. You know, so like uh, the times when there were possibilities for something. So like right, if you look at the hardcore scene right now, there are definitely bands that we liked that don't seem like a possibility anymore. And you'd have to mm. tell someone like, no, that was a real thing. Someone did a band like this oh, yeah. and you could do something just as crazy and new right. and interesting. So to me, like I don't think anyone should be repeating the past just for the sake of like legitimacy, but if you can learn from it and do something cool, why not? That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I feel like. I also feel like a pearl of wisdom is to my fellow older elder, Elder statesman, elder oh, statesman, elder states people in the hardcore scene keep moshing. Yeah, right. don't stop. Just because young kids are moshing differently and it's weird, they don't have any old people to look to to learn how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so keep moshing. That's number one for my old people, and and for most of the older people, are still there. Stop. 
Mushing. You guys have health insurance now, so it's totally less yeah. not as dangerous as it was when you didn't have health insurance and you were diving on people's heads. So get in there, man. That's part of the problem. I'm just too <laughs> rational. and <laughs> I, lo- I love the, the energy, the visuals of people flying off the stage, but I just start thinking about all the... Yeah, you the start thinking like, oh, they're going to go! It's like, oh, oh man, HMOs. Oh, yeah, what's this PCP going to say about that? That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> what's this PCP? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> have you talked to your physician about what you're doing yes, right now? Please, before you mosh, have your physician clear <laughs> your, your, your health so you can get in there and two-step like you want to. No. But um, no, uh, other than that, I definitely still think that um, the passion's there. Yeah. It may translate differently, but just got to believe in it. Yeah, be true to yourself, as, as cliche as that may sound. You just kind of have to um, do what you love to do and um, be, be who you are. I mean, there comes a point in your life where you realize, look, you don't, you don't need to be someone other than you were sort yeah. of bred to be or biologically programmed to be. It's okay to just kind of be yourself and you contribute to the scene in, in your own unique way. And, um, yeah, it's more fun that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, wrapping up, what are the things that we are looking forward to? What are the things coming up that we're stoked on? Things that are about to come out that we're excited about? And go, Liam. Uh, so, first and foremost, I got to give, we earlier we were giving props to my boy, Josh Goldblum. And I was going to say this then, but I wanted to save it for now. Uh, I will be in Chicago this weekend. Chicago. Any listeners we have in Chicago, hit me up on the Twitter. Maybe we can hang out. But I'm going to be busy a lot of the weekend because I'm going to be at the Bruce Campbell's Horror Film Festival. Oh, my God. That's so good. So, uh, you know, our own Josh Goldblum of the Awesome Fest does this event uh, in conjunction with Wizard World Chicago. And basically... It's a a three-day, I mean, it's Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday and Sunday, uh, Horror Film Fest, mostly new movies. Uh, A lot of movies uh, have played some other festivals. Some of them, this is like their premiere. Uh, And then there's a couple old screenings. There's like an anniversary of Fright Night. Nice. Uh, And then there's an anniversary of Cannibal Holocaust. Never even heard of that one, but you, it sounds... Cannibal Faroe? You've never... Oh, no. man. I was actually just talking to our friend Stephen Dyer, friend of the podcast today, about that movie, because he's never seen it either. And I was like, you only need to watch it once to remind yourself that you're still a good person. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big Cannibal Holocaust fan, but I, I feel bad because I know people are, and they want to go see yeah. it. So, no. if you're in the Chicago area, come on out, say hi to me. Uh, I was going to be excited to announce we were selling T-shirts, but we don't have enough T-shirts. Yeah, to we're all out of T-shirts. We're almost out of them. We've got to get some more T-shirts. <laughs> but I'll really be there. Small. I can at least shake your hand if you like the show Yay. and tell you about the show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. It's going to be cool. Tickets are pretty cheap. Bruce Campbell's going to be there. A lot of guests are going to be there. Uh, we're showing uh, Tales of Halloween, uh, Turbo oh, that's Kid. that's a new movie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Bunny the Killer Thing, nice. uh, Jerusalem, uh, uh, Contracted to, uh, I Should Know More of These Movies, oh, <laughs> He Never Died, which I don't think Henry Rollins is going to be there for He Never uh, Died. Oh, Uncle Hank's not going to be in the still, house? Well, they're still holding out that he might show up, but I, I get the feeling he's not actually coming, because we would have had to get him a hotel and shit like that. Right, but, right, right. But uh, anyways, I'm excited to do it. I'm excited for Josh. I think it's going to be cool. I know we don't have a huge Chicago audience, so I don't know if anyone's going to hear this and be like, oh, great, I'll go. <laughs> uh, but we are still looking for volunteers. Uh, if you go to the Cinepunks page, or if you go to the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival page, there's posts about volunteers. Uh 
if you even if you're hearing this on Thursday, right, and you're thinking, oh, maybe it's too late, but I wanted to volunteer, hit me up, Liam at theawesomefest.com, which is my wow. address for the Awesome Fest. Hit me up to volunteer. We still need more volunteers. Uh, we've gotten a big rush of people recently, but we want to try to have at least two people on at all times in case anyone has any questions or to do you know box office stuff or whatever. Nice. But uh, but yeah, so that's the thing I'm most hype for. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, if you're not going to be in Chicago, the thing I'm most sad to miss, uh-huh. Exhume Films is doing their Guilty Pleasures 2 event in Yonkers at the ah, Yonkers Alamo Draft House. Yeah. Ninja Busters. Oh man, you freaked Radioactive out when you saw that. Radioactive Dreams. Yeah. Uh, Gang Wars, uh, uh, otherwise known as the Devil's Express. Nice. Uh, what is the other one? Oh, I forget what the other one's called. Blood Rage. I just love hearing the titles. It's like when I see a bill for a show, band, band names. Uh, it just gets me. Well, excited. so this event is like a lot of the sort of fan favorites from Part other. Of the fun of it, just naming this. Well, it's other exhumed. You know, they've showed these movies at other exhumed events, and they yeah. went off really. People got really excited about see, them. So exhumed shows like, movies, and then they don't show them again. That's the thing. Not that so. often, no. And 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 I will say. All the movies are great. I loved Radioactive Dreams. I saw it at right. X-Fest. I love Blood Rage. I love... Uh, the uh, Ninja one is like your game. favorite. But it's worth going. If they were only fucking showing Ninja Busters, <laughs> none of the other movies, just Ninja Busters, I would say, if you don't go, you're a poser. That's what I would say. <laughs> like, you need to go to this thing. Right. I, uh, granted, I feel okay saying this because if you're in Chicago, you'll be at the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. But if you're anywhere, let's say, I don't know, on the East Coast, <laughs> you should probably go to this thing. It's really cool. Just to see Ninja Busters alone. Yeah, just that alone. I mean, the the whole lineup is good. It's worth the cost of admission to see these, sh- these movies. But Ninja Busters, you're, it's not going to come to you. You're not going to get right. to see it. It's not going to play another time. You're not going to catch it some other opportunity. This is your chance to see Ninja Busters. Wow. Fucking go. That's intense. That's what I'm saying. All right, so for me, what I'm looking forward to, September 2nd, I'm going to Hawaii with my wife to celebrate my second anniversary being married to Meilani. So uh, I will be off the grid. We're going to Molokai. Wow. (laughs) And there's no cell phone towers or uh, you got to call on landlines and stuff. So so that's happening for me. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited that... um, no, actually, that, that's about it. That's all I can think about until I'm actually out of here. So, yeah, Hawaii is coming. So, BK, what do you have coming up that you're excited about? Uh, you know, be spending some time with the family. There you go, and, fam time. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to go down the shore uh, right around Labor Day, you know, when things calm down a little bit. So, looking forward to that. And, um, you know, and we have to talk a little bit more about some possibilities. About a couple of things that we got coming down. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Oh, I'm also excited for the Beach Slang record. That's a new record that's coming out, I think, next month that uh, I'm really hyped about. Are you a big... I didn't know you are a big Beach Slang Oh, fan. God. They're like one of the greatest bands right now. They're so good. I, I literally have never listened to it. I'm going to have to check them Dude, out. Dude, they're wonderful. You'd love them. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, then. Thank you so much to uh, our man, BK, for coming out and spending an episode of uh, Cinepunks with us. Thank you so much for being on the on the podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. And awesome. I, we, we all look forward to making you a mix CD. Yes. All of Cinepunks' audience is invited <laughs> to make BK a mix CD. I will listen to it. Also, thank you to uh, everybody who spoke to us at This Is Hardcore. I don't know if we had a chance to actually say that on the podcast. Oh, yeah, we should say that. So, and This Is Hardcore was a great... I don't know about you. I had a great time. I had a good time. I mean, it was I, fun. Didn't, I didn't see as many bands as I had hoped to. But Sad. I saw Fuck You, Pay Me. 
And they were great. All that matters. I saw Liam rip his pants during a minor threat <laughs> cover. Oh, God damn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That happened. And uh, But yeah, it was a good time. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to Joe and all of This Is Hardcore people for letting us uh, set up. And to Chris and everybody for being so supportive because uh, it really means a lot to us. And um, we really appreciate it. So uh, yeah, that's it. I love you. I love you too, Liam. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you later. Smoke bomb. I didn't stop it yet. Oh, man. Still going?